Hey everyone, welcome to episode 63 of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have Dr. Lynn Westfall, the Chief Medical Officer at KindBody. Without wasting any time, let's bring Lynn on. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. How are you today? Great. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Absolutely. Very excited to have you on. Um, I'm glad we were able to connect via LinkedIn and, and set this up. I think it'd be great if we actually just dive right into it. If you could start off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself, we can go there. And then from there, we'll talk about Kind Body and what you guys are doing. Sure. I grew up in the Midwest and came to California, Stanford for medical school, and then did a residency in OBGYN and a fellowship in reproductive endocrinology and infertility. I was then a professor at Stanford for over 20 years. While I was there, I set up a number of programs, including the first egg freezing program for cancer patients. When I set that up in the end of 1998, egg freezing was still considered very experimental and cancer patients did not have many options or as many options at that point. And that's how I got involved in setting that up. And then I was the director of women's health for a number of years at Stanford and saw the need for more comprehensive care and more of a focus on women's health issues. Last year, I became Professor Emerita and living in Silicon Valley, I had over the years consulted for a number of startups. And last year, I had the opportunity to become the Chief Medical Officer at KindBody, which is a women's healthcare startup. How did you hear about KindBody? The founder and CEO of KindBody is Gina Bartese, and I had known her for a number of years. She had started Progeny and and many fertility clinics around the country had benefits um, with progeny. So I had interacted with her and then she left progeny and then told me about the new company that she was starting. And I really loved her mission. She really wanted to improve access, lower costs, make the healthcare experience much more convenient and also provide a low cost fertility benefit for employers so that many more people would have the opportunity to have these benefits. And in your role, what what really excites you about being part of this organization as the chief medical officer? It is an incredible team and I really like the focus of having a large number of women trying to lead in the fertility space. 
and we have incredible technology. We've built our own electronic medical record, and that has been, I think, a really important thing as we grow. Um, our EMR provides a really nice experience for patients. As far as I know, I think it's the only fertility clinic, or the only fertility clinic that has online scheduling for patients. And in the portal, we make it very easy for patients to understand their, their treatment. And you know, we have videos and a lot of information for patients. We really want to make the experience as good as possible. The EMR also is very provider friendly. I think you know that <laughs> most <laughs> providers are not big fans of EMRs and it can add a lot of time to the day. So our engineering team is constantly updating it and making it so that the providers can be as efficient as possible. Yeah, it's, it's certainly something if you're at a, a party or some sort of get together and you go up to a provider and you bring up the topic of EMRs, you will hear a lot, <laughs> a lot of, of chatter. Um, right, exactly. As you just said, right, it, it's one of the biggest complaints for providers are, are the EMRs that they have to interact with and the time they, they spend leveraging those EMRs. Right. right. And I'm also really enjoying thinking about how to provide healthcare in a much more patient friendly way. We actually have a van and a bus, so we have the ability to go to more remote locations. We do a lot of educational events. A lot of them were in person. And then after the pandemic hit and people were sheltering in place, we converted and started a lot of virtual events and you know, have done educational things related to fertility and LGBT care, mental health, um, so just a range of things. And in our clinic, we really do want to be full service. So we provide fertility along with gynecology and nutrition, mental health, return to work coaching. So we try to be there for the patients along their life. Now, That's, that's great. And you just went through a lot of the different parts of the organization. That being said, what type of healthcare professionals does your organization engage with? We have three brick and mortar clinics right now in three different uh, cities. So we're in New York, San Francisco, and LA currently, and we'll be expanding to several of the markets um, beginning of next year. In our clinics, we have a range of um, providers. So we have reproductive endocrinologists. Our New York office has a gynecologist. And then we have nurse practitioners and physician assistants who are also helping with the fertility and gynecologic care. Interesting. And then we have um, mental health professionals who work with us and patients can go on our website and, and um, book that type of counseling 
as well as nutrition counseling. Um, so we do try, and then we have back to work counseling also, and all of that can be booked on our website. I think one of the really interesting things about your organization is you really did build a, a full service business. You hit every angle of, of really women's health, which is really interesting. Well, we think that's a big problem in healthcare is that women's health is very fragmented and it's often not a very good experience. You know, a lot of patients, you know, I would see come in for egg freezing and then they'd want to have a regular gynecologic exam or have contraceptive counseling, um, you know, and so then finding someone to do that just made it a much more complicated process. So we really want to be there, you know, long-term for the patients. You know, what's interesting is on the podcast, I'm just thinking back, especially after hearing what you're saying, the amount of women's health focused companies that we've had on, we've had, we had the CEO and founder, Sean Glass from Advantia Health, uh, Dr. Sophia uh, Yen from Pandia Health, Jill Angelo from Genev, and now having you on here as well. Um, it, it's pretty cool. And it shows, especially now, like how big of a focus and how big this woman's health space is and how important it is what you and your organization are doing. I agree. Women's health care you know, I think was overlooked for many years and probably still doesn't get the attention it needs, but it's good to see that there is a lot more interest in this space. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think the, the coolest part about what you're doing is this, this digital approach to it, right? Because I feel like even, even when it, there wasn't as big of a focus, it was still, there were still prominent players in the space but I think what you're seeing now is you're seeing such an emphasis on the, the companies that are moving forward are the ones that are leveraging technology like you are, building their own EMRs internally and creating the best experience for the patients and the providers that are working for the organization. So I, I think it's really cool what you're doing. Yeah, so do we. <laughs> That's always the goal, right? I, I'm right. so scared to have someone on the podcast and someone say, you know, I'm, I'm not happy with with uh, with what we're doing. Um, so it's it's always good to hear. Uh, and I, and love... our patients, our patients are loving it. Um, you know, we have great patient reviews. You know, customer patient experience is at the top of the list of you know things that we're paying attention to. Um, so it's nice to see that patients really are finding this a better experience. Absolutely. Now, what, what was the situation with the company, I guess, before COVID? How did COVID either positively or negatively affect the business? Um, and, and now it looks like things are getting a little bit better, right? But uh, I'd be interested to hear that. We've been asking that a lot of our, our guests. Yeah, so right before COVID, we were, you know, expanding very quickly and, you know, our patient volume was going up um, really, really fast. And then 
with COVID, we had to switch um, everything, all consults and everything to virtual, and then had to put procedures on, on pause for a while. So, you know, all across all healthcare, anything that wasn't an emergency needed to be put on hold. And so that included fertility services, Although, you know, a number of people realize that fertility care is essential care, even the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, specifically commented that fertility care was essential care. So as soon as things started to open up a little bit more, fertility services started to um, get back online and Initially, we started with seeing the more urgent patients, so patients who had cancer or were older or had poor ovarian function, so delays would have more of an impact on, on their chance of having children. Um, but now, and then early on, we had to put all the systems in place so that we could keep patients and staff healthy, you know, so all the things that you I think are, are familiar with, you know, had to make sure that we were able to do proper distancing in the clinics, doing temperature and system, uh, symptom checks on everyone coming in, limiting people who can, came in, frequent disinfecting of the clinics, um, and, and everyone um, wearing a mask in the clinic and having the proper um, PPE available when when needed. Um, so you know, obviously that was a big shift to have to to change those practices and and get used to that. Um, but as we've been able to do that, currently we're almost back to 100% speed. Um, so most Perfect. things have been able to continue. Probably the one area that will take a little bit longer is patients who are doing third party. Um, so many times, you know, if someone's using a, a surrogate or an egg donor, they may be traveling from somewhere else. And since travel is still a little bit complicated, um, those services are still not completely um, back to normal. Is that, is that common, the traveling piece? For surrogates and egg donors, yes, although there are, for egg donors, um, maybe not quite as much as there are some egg banks and, you know, those eggs are already frozen, so those can get shipped, but surrogates and intended parents can live in different locations. Um, surrogacy is regulated differently in every state. So there are many states where it's not even allowed. So patients may have to travel from out of state. And there used to be a lot of international travel too, because a lot of countries don't recognize surrogacy. Obviously the international patients are probably not going to be able to, to come um, for a while, but even people who are using surrogates within the US, if they're traveling, between states, you know, we do worry, like if the surrogate is 
coming from another state, you know, if there were some problems with flights that they may not be able to get to the clinic. Interesting. Okay. Now, and the other thing early on is, you know, care that wasn't urgent. You know, so early on, we really did not know as much about the impact on pregnancy. And patients also were worried. We obviously don't know the entire impact because, you know, this um, virus we have not recognized for the length of a whole pregnancy. But to date, we don't see any evidence that there's increase of birth defects. And also, we don't see that pregnant women are more likely to get COVID. And if they do get COVID, that they're more likely to get severe disease. So we're not telling patients not to get pregnant. But there are some people who, you know, are a little bit more nervous just because, you know, we don't know everything. And also, patients are a little bit nervous about what it may be like when it when they have to go to deliver. Um, a lot of people have been a little bit hesitant to go to the hospital. Um, so all those factors are kind of playing in right now. Makes sense. Okay. Well, I want to thank you again for being a guest on the podcast. Where can people learn more about Kind Body? They can go to our website, kindbody.com. Okay, perfect. And I will throw that in the show notes so everyone will can easily click the link and go to your site. Again, thank you so much and look forward to following the continued progress of Kind Body and staying in touch with you. Thank you so much. Have a good afternoon. You as well. Hey everyone, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Block Health. Block Health is building the ecosystem of healthcare solutions and services to power the future of healthcare. Through Block Health, healthcare professionals and organizations can use their credentialing data for more. They can use the platform to store their credentialing and licensing related documents, fill out a smart common application that could be used to order multiple different services like provider enrollment, state license registration, state license renewals, and much more. To learn more about Block Health, please go to www.blochealth.com. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.